All right, welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Poor. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you taking out the time to hopefully learn a little something. Uh, we also appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten. So thank you for the emails, the questions. This definitely keeps us going, gives us topics. And today is a topic that uh, is near and dear to uh, my partner's heart here. Um, you know, who does, (laughs) who does a lot of breast and body work and, uh, you know, but this is a very important topic because we just did one yesterday, um, and one last week Mm -hmm. and it's becoming very common, especially with post bariatric body contouring and, and, you know, massive weight loss. And so, um, today we are going to talk about the potential options for lifting the thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this surgery gives me anxiety sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in all honesty, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's um, what we're going to talk about today is how to address the medial thighs. We won't talk about the lateral thighs. It's mm-hmm. completely different. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the anterior thigh, but we're going to talk about just the medial thighs. So it's the inner thigh area mm-hmm. and how there is an obsession with something called the thigh gap. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about everything from the person that comes in that needs very minimal work to really the person that's coming in for a thigh lift. And most people that get thigh lifts, the conventional thigh lifts, are people that have lost a significant amount of weight. Um, so, you know, it's it's mainly for what Dr. Lakey just talked about, which is post-bariatric body contouring. And, and this can be everything from uh, doing tummy tucks to breast lifts to arm lifts and thigh lifts. And it really is, uh, is a game changer for a lot of people with a significant amount of skin laxity um, on the inner thigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's start from, you know, from the, the person that comes in and doesn't have a ton of extra skin, but does have a little bit of extra fat um, and maybe a tiny little bit of extra skin. So obviously defining thigh gap, the idea is that when you walk, that the thighs do not rub together. And so uh, this can be very disconcerting for someone, especially post-pregnancy when the body changes or if you've gained some weight. And so the idea is, uh, you know, we look at two major characteristics of the thigh. So obviously one is fat, one is skin. You know, we can't do anything about the structure underneath as far as musculature, connective tissue, and bone, but we can alter the uh, fat and uh, change the skin texture. So the goal for us today is to look, you know, we're going to work our way up the reconstructive ladder from minimal, minimally invasive, all the way up to the most invasive type of procedure to give you the best possible result or thigh contour. So for someone who comes in, minimal laxity of the skin, there's not a lot of fat there. Uh, My choice, I think, would be, and we talked about this on a previous podcast, would be Morpheus, you know, doing three sessions each six weeks apart uh, because it is radio frequency microneedling. So we have heat-based technology that uh, stimulates collagen, tightens the skin. um, And as long as you like the contour, meaning... There's not a lot of fat there or something like that. I think just to tighten the skin, that would be my choice. Absolutely. And if there is a little bit of fat there um, and you don't want to have surgery, mm-hmm. um, you can add a little cool sculpting. Um, and again, um, we've had a, a previous podcast on cool sculpting. We're proponents of it. We think it works very well. Um, and it's a great way to non-invasively reduce 
areas of fat. So sometimes by by kind of combining this, doing the cool sculpting, bringing someone back a month month later, um, and doing Morpheus on top. Um, for a couple sessions, it really will give you a really nice contour for someone who has minimal skin, skin laxity and minimal um, adiposity or, or minimal amount of fat in the area. Mm-hmm. So then we start working into getting up. Let's say we don't have an adequate thigh gap. Um, it's not just a little bit of fat. Now we're talking, um, you know, we have a moderate amount of lipodystrophy. So you've got full thighs. Uh, and you would like to slowly contour them, and you look at some of the options. And now, let's say you've gone to another surgeon, and they say, "Listen, we can lipo your thigh, the inner thighs, and they're going to look absolutely amazing." Now, what I will tell you, a little secret, <laughs> is that when you're 18, you don't have to worry about the skin; it contracts back unless you've had some massive weight loss or something like that. When you're not 18. The, there are all different types of outcomes and what can happen to the actual skin. So, uh, you know, the last thing you want is to reduce the amount of volume and leave wrinkles because I think that way we've traded one deformity for another. And although some people may like it, um, you know, for us, we're always trying to look for the best possible outcome. So what you think your your treatment of choice would be and like you said if if you're young which for me lot many patients come in for breast augmentation they say can you give me a little you know tiny little thigh gap i'll put a small incision in the groin crease do a little bit of liposuction and it gives you the perfect result however Mm -hmm. like you said the older we get the crepier the skin gets and the less of a bounce back or skin contraction we get in the area so therefore it'd be nice to do something with a little technology. So using body tight or radiofrequency assisted liposuction to heat the tissue from below and cause a little bit of coagulation from below to get skin contraction and also burn some fat to to create a really nice contour with liposuction and even also adding Morpheus, maybe a great trifecta to getting a really smooth contour in the area because that skin contraction continues to work and really will look really good over time, um, even better as, as, as time goes on. Yeah, I think, listen, I agree with you. I, I think the uh, the trifecta, the triple threat right there, uh, if you look at good, better, best, good liposuction in this scenario, good liposuction, better radiofrequency-assisted liposuction, best Radio frequency assisted liposuction plus Morpheus on the outside for that sandwich combo of collagen stimulation, and that will give you the best possible contour. So now we kind of move our way up the ladder. So we've gone with, you know, minimally, or uh, I should say non invasive, which was cool sculpting, minimally invasive, which we've got some skin tightening Morpheus. Uh, minimally invasive where we're getting into surgical procedures, but that's the radiofrequency-assisted lipolysis. That is body tight, T-I-T-E, again, from a company called InMode. We uh, uh, do not get paid by them, nope. um, but the, uh, this is their technology and um, the combination of those things. So now let's say we come to an individual that comes to you. You know, They've had uh, bariatric uh, surgery. So let's say they've had a gastric sleeve or, a, you know, any type of bypass and they lose 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's kind of like deflating one of those sumo suits that you can put on 
and now we have to address the excess skin. So I don't know uh, of any technology that I think will be effective enough in this particular uh, patient population. And so this is when we move into the surgical category. So, um, you know, I know the three types. I'm going to let you discuss them and, and kind of go from there. And, and we've done all three types. Um, we actually did two of the different types of, of thigh lips uh, this last two weeks. Um, and, and I'll talk about some of the examples that we've had in our practice. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had patients that come in that have very, very little skin laxity, but they don't want to do non-invasive. They want as tight a pull as possible. And I'll never forget that woman that came in. She was skinny as can be. And I, and I know who you're talking, you, you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. She actually had a facelift by you, <laughs> wanted to have a thigh lift and you set her up. And I came in and I looked at her and I said, really? Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah. I want this as tight as possible. Yep. And it's, she, she was a runner. Exactly. You remember it well. And she so, wore short, you know, running shorts. And she says, it's all everybody sees when I run. And so, you listen, I get it. So what we did was literally put an incision in the groin crease. So um, imagine where you, you wear your underwear or your bikini. Um, this will be inside that area so no one would see it. And in a sense, just pulling as much skin as possible in a you know in a vertical manner to try to take that crepey skin and make it as tight as possible. Mm-hmm. This woman in, in in this instance that I'm talking about had zero fat, so there was no liposuction that was needed. Sometimes you can actually add liposuction with this procedure, and I'll talk to you about how we do the other ones. Um, and this really is the least amount of skin excision out of the three different types of thigh lifts. This only really removes a more of like an ellipse to say the most um, because understand the more you take, the more tension you put on a wound and the higher the chance that that scar will widen. Mm -hmm. So there is a certain um, balance that we have to really kind of hold to to any of these procedures that we do. Mm -hmm. If we make someone overly tight, that can stretch and it can make that scar a little wide. So you want to have that perfect balance of how much skin you're taking to get that area nice and smooth, but at the same time, have it heal with a nice thin line. It's a really straightforward operation. Six weeks of no heavy lifting, no exercise, no swimming. Um, But really, it's one of those procedures that requires minimal downtime. People are up walking around that same day. um, And then really, it's just more of we don't want them to move to make that scar widen. But it does improve crepiness, especially in the upper, you know, upper fifth of the thigh, thigh, upper third of the thigh, something Mm. like that. Yeah, really just that roll that comes out. So you remove that crescent uh, shape and, and pull that up, but it can look really nice. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's Plastics Docs, P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. Now, now let's say we get into more laxity. We have to start discussing what the potential outcomes are, you know, and so when we talk about incisional choices, obviously you just talked about one where the scar's hidden directly in the crease, no one sees it, uh, and you can still wear a swimming suit. 
Now, some people say, look, I can't wear shorts. And that's a different ballgame. This isn't trying to get into a swimming suit and having a tiny bit of excess. This is where you actually have some contour regularity. So now the skin hangs and either there's a pouching that's in the very proximal or upper aspect of the thigh um, or it sags all the way down to the knee. And so we have to say, all right, uh, we've already we've, we've made it beyond the crescent excision. And now we have to say, all right, what are you willing to undergo in order to get the best possible uh, outcome? So can we take the scar to mid-thigh and the inside? Or the best possible outcome, if it's, especially if it sags all the way to the knee, is to make an incision that goes all the way along the inside aspect of the leg to the knee. Um, now, can these heal remarkably well? Yes, they can. Um, a lot of times with body lift types of scars, there is widening just because of the amount of tension that's on a scar. But you can clearly take not only, you know, again, we're, when you look at some of the patterns of skin and soft tissue excision, the crescent moves the medial thigh in a vertical direction. So it lifts up, but it does nothing for the circumference of the thigh. And that's where the other two techniques really start to address. So if you go to just beyond where there's a, you know, some people have a very distinct pouch at the inner aspect of the thigh. That's when you would take the scar just to beyond the pouch or just to mid-thigh, something like that, um, to get a better contour. For those individuals that say, look, I've lost 150 pounds. I want my legs to look like you know they should. Um, and so if that's the case, that scar goes growing crease all the way to the inner aspect of the thigh down to the knee. But now, not only are you lifting the thigh, and this is something that you and Dr. Reside did yesterday, um, but you're also changing the entire circumference of the thigh. So you're making the entire thigh smaller and smoother. And, and you said this perfectly. This is something, a long discussion you have with the patient because technically you're putting a zipper up and down their thigh. Mm -hmm. Now, um, for a woman, it's very different than for a man. A man that has, you know, has hair-bearing skin in the area and, and it maybe is a little bit hairier can maybe cover that um, or may not care about wearing shorts or skirts. It's very, very different. For a woman, this is a long conversation that's had because although the, the thigh contour is significantly improved, there is a scar there. And the biggest complication with this operation is scar widening or wound dehiscence or seromas. Um, and this is something that, that is talked to. Almost invariably, all patients don't care. They mm. want their thigh contour to look better. Mm -hmm. So they don't care about the scar. They're like, give me a scar. I don't care. If worse comes to worse, we'll treat the scar. Like we talked about, we'll morpheus the scar, we'll microneedle the scar. It doesn't matter to them because their life has been completely changed because of the contour of their thigh. It doesn't rub, they can exercise. So, so in a lot of ways, people say, okay, I don't mind, let's just do it. And as, and as you said, now there's two different options. One that goes all the way down, three, three different options really. One that goes down to the knee, one that goes past the knee, and the one that goes mid thigh level. Mm -hmm. um, and the most common we probably, the, the most commonly uh, done procedure is the one that goes right above the knee because most people wanna just circumferentially reduce the thigh and they have skin laxity throughout. If mm -hmm. you don't have it 
below the midpoint of the thigh, you don't have to take the scar all mm-hmm. the way down. Um, and very, very frequently, almost always when I perform this, I like doing liposuction as well because what happens is you really create a nicer contour of the whole thigh and then you excise the skin in the middle and bring it together. So not only are you making the circumference of the thigh smaller, but you're also reducing some of the fat around the area. Mm -hmm. So the contour of the thigh is improved significantly. Now I can think of one case where we went even further. This was someone who lost 200 pounds or just over 200 pounds. And you know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And we not only had the incision in the thigh, down the inner aspect of the, 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 the upper leg itself, the thigh, but past the knee, so you have to do what's called a little Z-plasty mm-hmm. because we don't want that to um, thicken along there or, or obstruct the joint. And then partially into the calf because the skin was so, had, there was so much yeah. excess of skin that it sagged beyond the knee itself. Really and, was- you know, and it, listen, that was definitely a big procedure, mm-hmm. but the, thir- the circumference and the, the shape and appearance of the thigh looked uh, night and day from uh, the way it did preoperatively. So, And you should see how it changed her life. The mm-hmm. difference was this, this one individual you're talking about ended up coming back, exercising. She would come into the office wearing tight clothes and she, the body positivity... I mean, her. She just. It just changed the way she felt about herself because she wasn't so incredibly consumed with the fact that she had all this extra skin that was hanging off her thighs. Now she could run and she could exercise and she could do Pilates. Now it really is a game changer. It changes your life because mm-hmm. all that extra skin makes it very difficult for some people to even walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have a couple before and afters on our on our website that I think about these patients that they were so happy and they were so incredibly thankful because it changed their life mm-hmm. because it it's kind of like a breast reduction procedure when i talk about it's a two-for-one special it makes the breast look better but you also feel a ton better your thighs look better but you're taking so much weight off the area that it just allows you to do the activities of daily living in a whole different way yes um i think you know, some of some questions that may be asked by our listeners would be, all right, how long does the surgery take? What's the downtime? Um, you know, what can I do perioperatively to improve my results and what should we consider afterwards? And so I'll start by saying, um, you know, the surgery itself depends on how much skin excision. So no more than three hours. I think this is one of those procedures where, um, you know, if you're doing excessive skin excision plus liposuction, and you know, it may take you up to three hours. Um, you know, some of the shorter procedures, the crescent uh, excision, that may take an hour. Um, and uh, you know, the the idea is the same. You'll you'll likely be in a compressive type garment afterwards. We usually on the incisions, they're all dissolvable stitches, and then we place what's called dermabond, which is a sealant uh, skin glue. So that way, you know, we you're less likely to contaminate the wounds. We have to think about being able to go to the bathroom and things like that. Um, and so we want to eliminate any dressing changes or or things like that. Um, and so if we think about not being able to lift anything heavy or squat or do anything like that, pick anything up using the legs is going to be six weeks. 
And the reason for that, again, we've alluded to it before, is really just because it takes six weeks, six to eight weeks for collagen really to form. So it's about 88 to 92% as strong as that scar is ever going to be at six to eight weeks. So, um, you know, those would be some of the the uh, restrictions. As far as, is there anything you would recommend pre and post to help improve the results? You know, it, obviously we want everyone to be in their best shape possible, lose as much weight as possible. For people that are post-bariatric, uh, you know, this is something that we want their weight to be stable for, for some people say three months, we prefer six months if possible. Um, and to keep it that way, because the last thing you want to do is do this operation and have someone gain a ton of weight or mm-hmm. lose a ton of weight because it changes the contour again. You want them to be at that stable weight for a while so you know what you're dealing with and then you take as much skin as you can. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said about the the small groin incisions, the same thing that goes with with the long thigh incision. The tighter you make it, the higher the chance that it'll spread or even open. Most common complications with this operation, wound dehiscence, meaning that that the incision is opened, wound widening or scarring, and seroma formation, which is fluid formation within the area. We've actually avoided using drains lately because we actually close the dead space like we do for our tummy tucks. But if it's a very, very large excision, we'll put a drain in just to be sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I find that male patients have a higher likelihood to develop seromas in our own you know, patient population. Um, and then the last thing is, is lymph, uh, lymphedema or having any type of lymphatic disturbance because there are so many lymphatics up in the upper thigh. We have to be very careful when we take the skin and fat from that area, not to go too deep to take lymphatics as well. Mm-hmm. If that happens, the foot can really get swollen. And that's one of the things I like telling all my patients is when this happens, get up and walk the same night. But Get back in bed and elevate your legs and wear tight compression garments. This will not only improve the contour of your thigh, but it also will help you not get incredibly swollen feet for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And like Dr. Lakey said, six weeks prior to exercise, heavy lifting, squatting, or soaking in any type of body of water, meaning no swimming pool, jacuzzi, or bath for at least six weeks because we want those scars to be healed prior to doing that. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, a couple of things come to mind as far as optimizing your results. So I'll talk about preoperatively and through the operative period. And then maybe we can talk about some adjuncts for post-op, how we can improve results. And um, I do think you, you have to start thinking with those individuals that require larger excision of tissue. You, you know, many of you are maybe diabetics, We have to have our diabetes under control. And so we want that to be as optimized as best as possible. Otherwise, you're not going to heal. Second thing is nutrition. You know, some people who've undergone bypass surgery, they don't absorb enough of the nutrition that you need. So you can feel as good as you want, but that wound's going to fall apart. And so we want a high protein diet uh, in the perioperative period because even if you have to take protein shakes and take them little bits at a time, um, the idea is we want to load your body with protein to allow it to be allow the necessary nutrients uh, and amino acids uh, for you to heal. Um, You know the the second thing that we have to think about 
you know, obviously you had alluded to being in the best shape you possibly can. I mean, we have people exercise up until the day of uh, the day before surgery or day of surgery uh, because we want you to be in, uh, in in tip-top shape. Many patients who have lost this much weight uh, can have heart issues, can have all kinds of uh, organ, uh, you know, disease. And so obviously you would need to be cleared by your medical physician. We want to make sure that this is safe surgery. Remember, this is elective surgery. I know some of you may feel that it's necessary, but it's still elective surgery. And so obviously we want to optimize your results. We want you to be able to use your results. Um, you know, it, it's it's no use to anybody if you've got the perfect looking thigh, but we're in a casket. So um, the goal for us is to, uh, you know, make sure that you've got a great result that you can use. This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. As far as afterwards, um, what what do you recommend for your patients? You know, especially let's say you've done liposuction, um, you know, maybe even a combination of some fat transfer to the butt or something like that. What what do you think is a good option afterwards? So we've got a for for everyone that gets any lipo or body, you know, any type of body contouring procedure using lipo, we love post liposuction massage, um, which is a combination of of, of really kind of getting in there and improving the contour and also draining the lymphatics. Mm-hmm. Um, we feel like this is a, a really good procedure with medial thigh lifts that have a significant amount of liposuction. We like to wait two to three weeks after because most patients don't like to be touched immediately. Some other surgeons will tell you they want to have them go right away. Again, we're, we're a little bit um, more realistic as to how people are going to, to act and how comfortable they're going to be. Um, but I do believe that, that using any type of uh, massages after surgery, especially with liposuction, really helps with the contour. The other thing that sometimes helps, especially when, you make, when you're making big incisions like this, is hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that we talk to people about fat transfer, and, and we feel like there's been a lot of data towards that. So if you are getting a fat transfer procedure, whether it's your face or breasts or buttocks, um, hyperbaric oxygen really does help with that. But it also really helps with wound healing because we've always been used, we've used that forever with burns. Mm-hmm. So doing, you know, one or two sessions, three sessions for an hour on hyperbaric oxygen therapy, it really does help. Um, and people find it to be really relaxing as well. Um, the, you know, the, the one thing I was going to talk about with the medial thigh lift scars, we really try to make them so they don't sit right in the direct you know direct vision so when you're looking at someone's thighs you want to make sure that they're put a little bit more posteriorly and i just say this because yesterday's case it ended up the scars ended up so nice that i thought to myself if we can get these to heal really well or even if they don't heal well it's going to be hard for anyone to see them mm-hmm. unless someone's sitting there, you know, with their with their legs wide open. It's it's one of those things we again as plastic surgeons, doesn't matter how perfect the contour is, if you can see all the scars, it's kind of gives you it failed. away. You failed. Right? Um yeah, I mean, listen, what do we call the butterfly thigh lift? We <laughs> the pattern itself 
looked almost like a, a butterfly because it ended up going up into the crease, down, uh, you know, all the way down the medial thigh. And the pattern itself was kind of that, that excision. Um, and I think that, you know, we often forget. I mean, obviously, to get a better contour in some of these individuals, you're, the trade-off is a scar. There's no doubt. Um, but many times surgeons forget that we have to hide them as best we can. You know, it used to be that people would do brachioplasty or arm lifts and the scars would go in back because we thought, all right, when you look at us from the front, the problem is when someone's walking behind you and you've got a stripe going down the back of the arm, it's not the best. So we changed it. Now the incision goes in bicipital groove, which is the inner aspect of the arm. We do the same thing for the thigh. You can, you can change the circumference of the thigh by putting a scar anywhere. But the idea, as you had mentioned, is you want to put it perfectly so you can't really see it from the front, you can't really see it from behind, um, and people feel more confident that way. Afterwards, so let's say now we look at potential complications. So obviously you had mentioned when you're up in the groin crease, you don't want to make it so tight that it pulls the vagina or vulva mm, apart. And that's one of the point. widening, you know, potential complications very of this surgery. Point. And we secure the deep fascia, the real, you know, the anchoring fascia to thinner fascia that's, uh, you know, up above. And so you have to make sure that, you know, you're not putting a thick blanket to a sheet, you know, it's got to be thin, sim, similar. And that's why liposuction is so important. Um, Couple different things. So let's let's look at some of the common complications. We say, you know, let's say tiny little breakdown of the wound. Um, obviously, we treat that locally. Sometimes uh, you'll put, even if depending how bad it is, either sylvanine or you'll just put regular polysporin. Um, if some, uh, let's say it opens up wide enough where you start seeing a little bit of the fat, we have to debride a little bit of that fat under local anesthesia and kind of bring that together as best we can. Um, you know, the fear, that's why I think preoperative nutrition is so important. The fear is that you don't have the, uh, the, the nutrition to support healthy wound healing and that whole thing opens up, that's an absolute disaster. And so, you know, there's so many different components of these types of surgeries that I think, um, you know, it's, it's not that the patient has to think about these, although, you know, we're trying to educate you on that, but it's that the physician has to think about these things. We are not just technicians, even though sometimes it feels like it where we're sewing machines. Um, but the idea is you have to look at the entire patient, look at comorbidities, make sure they're well-managed, preoperative nutrition management and optimization through the surgical procedure, making sure that we hide the incisions and everything looks perfect, post-operatively making sure that your patient can still move and go to the bathroom. And these are common things that sometimes, um, you know, coming up with your own surgical pattern you think is going to be amazing. You have to think about these things uh, for, for the activities of daily living. Um, and so I think that's where some surgeons go wrong is you, you, you've created the perfect contour uh, you put them in some garment that they can't get in and out of. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we've been there before where you think, oh, man, this is going to be perfect. And then you say, wait a sec, how are they going to go to the bathroom? How are they going to do this? Um, and so now uh, the good part is garments have been, uh, we see an evolution in garments, making things easier. And 
Uh, but, and easy uh, to get. I mean, you can literally yeah. go on Amazon and just order it and they, they'll send it to you. That's what's so great about it. Very true. But being, but being realistic about your post-operative course and how people are going to deal with these incisions that are right around areas that are obviously can get soiled. And, and, and these are things that, that sometimes a lot of people don't think about. And I think that's important. And, and I think experience really helps because you, you do it and then you think back and you're like, oh, okay, um, we should change that. And I, and I think that if you're listening to this and you know somebody or if you have lost a ton of weight and you have that extra skin, I will say one thing. It is not a very difficult operation to recover from. If done in the right hands, it is fairly easy. The recovery is fairly easy and it is a game changer. It is significantly one of these procedures that we do for people that everybody's very happy because it's something that has bothered you for a long time and now you're getting it fixed. So I wouldn't hold back. I'd get it fixed. I think you'd be very happy to do it. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the one thing that I would say, obviously, you know, we, when we talk about scar placement, um, one thing that really happens with especially post massive weight loss is that the quality of skin is so poor. And there's only so much that we can do to anchor and hide an incision, camouflage it as best we can. And the skin will fall how it may. So imagine when you gain you 300 pounds, you stretch the skin, you lose the ability uh, you know, for contraction. And then when you lose that weight rapidly, uh, you know, it's like you've lost the reins of the horse. And the whole goal of maintaining that lift sometimes is really tough. One thing that I will tell any person who's undergoing massive uh, weight loss surgery like a medial thigh lift is that don't be uh, surprised if there has to be a little tailoring done a few months later. I mean, well you know, obviously we'd like to wait a full year, but, um, you know, we can hide the incisions. Let's say it's absolutely perfect, but your skin quality is so bad, it can't hold the support of the rest of the weight of your skin. Uh, that scar is going to fall. You know, it's just going to look different than it did in the beginning. So I'm not saying this happens all the time, um, but the idea is don't be surprised if there needs to be a tiny bit of tailoring so you can wear the swimming suit or you can wear the, uh, the clothes that you want um, just because when we, you know, when we leave the operating room, it, for, to, to us, it looks absolutely perfect and it can for you know a, a while, but uh, eventually gravity gets us, and so um, you know, like I said, I hate to be a broken record, but don't be surprised if there has to be tiny bits of tailoring, and um, usually that can be done under local anesthesia. You know, especially this this is important, especially if it's a very large skin excision. A lot of people don't understand this concept. And this is probably one of the simplest concepts in plastic surgery, but this is something that everyone that's listening should kind of try to, to grasp. If you're taking a significant amount of skin away, you have to make longer scars. Mm -hmm. Because imagine if you're taking a big piece of tissue, you can't just bunch everything up everywhere, right? As much as we try to, and we have techniques in trying to limit incision size, there is a limit as to how far we can take incisions. So imagine if you have a significantly large area that's being taken from the thighs, 
where are the scars going to go? They're either going to go past the knees or they're going to go up past the groin. Or we're going to bunch it and say, hey, maybe what we'll do is we'll come back and try to revise mm-hmm. a tiny bit of it later. Sure. So it all depends. You know, it all depends on how much skin's being sized, how much fat there is, and every patient is a little bit different. So yes, do we alter patterns and recoveries and, and, and people, you know, it really does vary from patient to patient, but it is what Dr. Lakey just said is very important. Tiny little modifications maybe need to be done later, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's a significant amount of skin that's being sized. Definitely. Hopefully, uh, you know, for those listeners that have been intrigued about this topic, you've learned a little something here and you know that there are multiple different levels of what can and can't be done. And what we can do is we can evaluate you in the office virtually. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you live uh, throughout the world. We do virtual consultations and we can tell you what you'd be a candidate for, what would give you the best possible result. Um, and then we'll give you options. Again, I always love saying good, better, best. And some people are happy with good. They just want to look a little better. And, you know, better is just that. You are getting, using newer technologies and things like that to look better. Best, obviously, is going to be surgical because it's reproducible and we know what to expect. So, again, I hope, uh, unless there's anything you wanted to add. No, it's, it's a topic that's not um, very glamorous. Uh, it's not something that that you see on the news a lot, mm-hmm. and it's for people who've had um, who's been who've been fighting skin excess in the area or have lost a ton of weight. And mm-hmm. and if this you know applies to you, or hopefully we taught you something today. Definitely. Well, listen. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Hopefully, we taught you a little something today. Remember that uh, you know surgery is not just the technical aspect; it's looking at you before and after surgery because it's really important, especially when it comes to you know post bariatric body contouring. Um, you know, again, ask us questions, send us emails, keep it coming. Again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Poor. You can listen to us on the Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payman and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.